Lord, I have loved the habitation of thine house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. The famous refrain of Psalm 26.8 expresses perhaps the jubilation and joy that fills our hearts today as we've had the opportunity this morning to sing praises, to already engage in prayer, and to also have a period of study in the wonderful and delightful Word of God. As you might have noted in the bulletin, as well as the wall to my left, the title of the lesson today is Choosing a Good Name. And it's a lesson that I would hope would be encouraging and helpful Beneficial indeed to each of us, certainly as we think about the notion of the word name and what it is that goes along with it, but also especially for those who are somewhat younger, to give some perhaps deepening consideration to the very nature and character of the word name. Paul began in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 12 by saying, "...suffer all things for the sake of the gospel of Christ." Paul even made note on that occasion how vital, how grand and great it was to think about the gospel and to be willing to endure hardship and difficulty for it. Sometimes when we give thought to the word name, that very issue will come before us even this morning as well. Isn't it interesting oftentimes to think about the notion of a person's reputation? Quite often, even before we come to know a person well, we have already heard from language and thoughts that others have shared the kind of person that that person considers the other to be. Is he or she known to be hardworking, upstanding, a good family name? Or is their reputation a bit on the questionable side? Perhaps been found at times doing things that were different than what they claimed to be the kind of person engaging in activities that ultimately, once it became known, were often tarnishing and hurtful. It is amazing, isn't it, how often that the reputation of a person is something we, th we think about. I know you and I as parents, those of us that are parents, we often encourage our youth, our children, to think about what a name stands for and to always strive that your name might be noble, upright, might be considered in the loftiest of fashions. I'd like you to take with me a journey this morning as we think about some teachings from the Word of God on the subject of a good name and how we can choose a good name. It is true, isn't it, that the Bible admonishes us in that direction. And for that reason, we come near the bottom. That as I mentioned earlier, I would hope each of us can be aided by some of the things we share about a good name but especially maybe those that are a bit younger, that as you are in the process of building a name, that you would give sober reflection to some of the things from God's Word about the characteristics He would want your name to have. It is with those thoughts in mind, let's begin by looking at a few of the issues from God's Word concerning these matters. And we might well begin with this one. There might be some that would ask, is it really that important to have a good family name, or that my name might be considered in a high and lofty fashion. We can put that thought to rest immediately by asserting it is exceedingly important. In fact, a good name is extraordinarily valuable. I would invite you to look with me at some of these passages. A moment ago, one of these was read in our hearing in Proverbs 22 verse 1. The inspired writer Solomon put it in language like this. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. 
The opening reflection and stanza of that again reads, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. We will understand how much consideration the world gives to money, to wealth, to riches that may go along with allowing life to be lived in luxury. But yet Solomon in the long ago said, I know something that's even more valuable, even richer, even more great in terms of its appreciation, and that is a good name. When we give thought to the fact that Solomon was an extremely wealthy man, a fact that we've often noted back from 2 Chronicles 1.15, that in that occasion, at the time when Solomon was reigning, silver was as plentiful in Jerusalem as rocks. That's how rich the man and his empire were. And yet he, on this occasion, wrote for all of us by inspiration that a good name is even more valuable, even greater to be striven for than are these matters of riches. Young person, then I would invite you especially to notice that even though difficulties may arise and even though it may be rough going at times to maintain the integrity of a good name, the value that accords with it is worth it. And you will ultimately never be ashamed or sorrowful for that labor invested in the maintenance of a good name. In Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1, same writer put it in language like this, a good name is more precious than fine ointment. In that ancient day of the long ago, those spices that produced various and sundry varieties of ointment were incredibly rich in terms of their ability to, to exchange for money in, in a means of trade or barter. And yet here, it's even more valuable than that. Some of those thoughts lead us to, I think, consider these comments. Whereas money simply accords to this physical entity, when we talk about a person's name, we're speaking about that which is their character, that which is a matter of integrity, that which truly is a basis for wholesomeness, soundness, and goodness. And that is something that is of vital value, and it is something of incredible worth. I listed an example or two that I thought we might consider in passing. First of all, one might note Joseph. From the days of the distant past in Genesis chapters 37 and following, when we remember that Joseph certainly was one that was the favorite of his father. But we might notice his brothers came to hate him, not the least of which for the favoritism that his father showed him, but also because of the dreams that they looked upon him properly. All the while, though, Joseph had a desire to maintain a sense of integrity. When Potiphar's wife was so enamored with him and desired that he lay with her in Genesis 39, it was Joseph who said, How can I commit this wickedness and sin against God? It was he who understood from that verse and those that followed the nature of what went with the matter of sin and that it led to a tarnishing of one's name the tarnishing of one's character, and he wished no part of it. He wanted to maintain a name of integrity and honor. What about you and me? Consider Jehoiada in Second Chronicles 24. Jehoiada was a rather interesting individual in Old Testament matters. He was one who did guide the children of Israel in so many ways in the ways of rightness. But something amazing is said about him on the occasion of his death. 
On the occasion of his death, it says of him that it was recognized and known that he not only led in matters of worship correctly, but also in matters of his house. He had a reputation, you see, near and far of one who had an interest in things divine, had an interest in upholding a character and integrity of right living and noble appreciation of doing what God said. You and I would do well to have a desire to have also that same kind of name today. It might be well to notice that some of us have been rather nobly blessed. Our parents had good names. They were known in the community as a hard-working, upstanding Christian man and woman. And as being born into the family, we were blessed by being bequeathed with that same good name. Might we be quick, might we be quick to say... If that be our case, we would do well not to mess it up. To live to the character of that name and the way our parents and grandparents and others have worked to lead to that name being respected in the community near and far by those who understand what kind of people that our parents perhaps were. As we give thought to that same issue today, a good name is a valuable thing. It can open doors in life. It can lead to opportunities that otherwise might be, in fact, closed to us. I suspect those things lead us, though, to something else. Not only is a good name of great value, it's also to be significantly noted that we must begin that trek most of the time early in life. I say that for the following reason. There might be times when individuals sometimes think the teenage years are years of experimentation. They're years of sowing oats and they're years of, of doing things. It's not that one really has to pay for them until you get to 18 or 21. Or Might we say that is not true. In Proverbs 20 verse 11, the text of the ancient Old Testament still says, "...a child is known by his doings." we begin to gain a sense of appreciation about the kind of individual that one will be long before he or she reaches age 18. By the time they're 9 or 10 or 11, we begin to gain a sense, does he stand behind his word? Is he a hard-working, industrious youth? Or is he lazy, slothful? Does he not really care about authority? Does he disobey his parents? It's fair to say, isn't it, that if one begins to show those characteristics at age 12 or 13, it's likely they're still going to be there at 16. It's likely they'll still be there at 21. We begin early, don't we, to learn and give appreciation to what a good name is and those matters that go along with it. It's also fair to notice that the Bible gives us examples of those who are so noble in this regard. Amazingly enough, what about Timothy in Acts the 16th chapter? We aren't told exactly what Timothy's age was. But when Paul came into the coasts of Lystra and Derby on the second missionary journey, word came to him about a fellow named Timothy. And the text is so interesting in that it says in verse 2, He was well reported of by the brethren. The brethren knew what his reputation was. They spoke highly about him. He was known as a person who stood behind the things that would be of interest to Paul. This same youth, of course, became a companion on the missionary journeys. And oh, what a great good he did 
in that first century era. And by inspiration has, of course, been a blessing to all of us today as well. One could mention Josiah in 2 Chronicles chapters 33 and 34. Josiah was unfortunately in a position his parents did not bequeath to him a very good name. In fact, his father was one of the most noble idolaters among the kings of the ancient nation of Judah. His daddy and granddaddy alike were not terribly high on the list of those we would look to as examples of righteousness. But yet, born into that family was a youth, and he came to be called Josiah. At the tender age of eight, he became king of Judah. At the age of eight, he became the king of Judah. For the next eight years was a period of learning and training, and by the time he reached age 16, he was already beginning to destroy the idols, turn over the groves, and turn the nation to a nation of righteousness. At the tender age of 16... By the age of 20, he had already purged a fair amount of the ungodliness and unrighteousness among the nation of Judah. Here was a youth, and yet we notice what a great influence that he had on the nation of Judah. Isn't it amazing to give thought to what a great influence these two have had? It is far easier, isn't it? As you notice there near the bottom of that slide... So very much easier is it to maintain a good name from youth on than to start out with a bad one and try to rebuild or build a good one. It is true, isn't it, that there is that principle of sowing and reaping. We do reap what we sow. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption." But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I understand that in so many ways the world does not have that much interest in godliness. We know that here at the Pippin Church there certainly is that interest. And you may have friends, are, but by and large the world has less interest in that. The world has more interest in pursuing selfish things, materialistic things, career-oriented things, and quite often those matters run roughshod over spiritual interests. Young person and older one alike, may you and I appreciate that we from youth on need to have a good name because that still is more valuable than riches. It's more valuable than the other things that this life has to offer. As you can see, some other verses near the bottom of that slide even take us back to Hosea in the Old Testament. If you and I sow to the wind, rest assured we shall reap the whirlwind. Those things, I think, challenge all of us as we give thought to our name. What does the community think about your name and mine? Honestly, if your name or mine were mentioned amongst those that we know at work, amongst those we know as our neighbors, amongst those we know at school, would the things said be of upstanding character? Would they speak respectfully of us? Do they speak in ways that we practice what we claim to preach? All of that challenges us perhaps with some more lessons about a good name. In the third place, that good name must be genuine. And might we be quick to say that just as we noted, folks around us know whether we're genuine or not. They know whether we say one thing and do something else. 
They know whether we preach one way and then live differently on Monday. They know whether we are on Saturday the way that we claim we should be the next morning, Sunday morning. Hypocrisy is something that runs deep and rampant, isn't it? It is so often seen and it gives the church a black eye, doesn't it? And it does you and me as well if others perceive that we are not what we claim to be. They have little interest in Christianity, at least what they see in the church of Christ. They consider hypocrisy to be a shameful thing, and it is. That leads us back to here. Folks know whether our name is genuine or not. It is one of the most hurtful matters of all for our classmates at school or for our associates at work to know that on Friday we are not what we appear to be on Sunday. And if so, if that's true in our life, shame on us. We are not as we ought to be. Our name ought to be genuine on Friday, just like it is on Sunday, just like it should be the other days of the week. The goodness of that name perhaps springs from the thought of Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 23, verse 7. On that occasion of that text, the inspired writer simply said, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We can put on a charade, and we can put on a facade that others see one thing, but rest assured, in time it will become known what we really are and what we really are not. Amazing, isn't it, how there is often an attempt to fool God, to, again, put on a front or put on a facade in one way, but then deep down to be something different. Again, folks will know whether our name is true or if it isn't. Among the things shared upon that slide, think about the example of Timothy as well as that of Daniel. Perhaps we might start with Daniel. In Daniel, the opening chapter, we come face to face with a youth, one who together with his three friends was so far removed from the place of Jerusalem, and yet while here in Babylon, they themselves were surrounded by heathens, surrounded by pagans, surrounded by those who had little, if any, interest in the things of God. It would have been extraordinarily easy for Daniel and his friends, too, to forget God. He's let me be taken captive. He's let me be mistreated this way. But yet even then, Daniel was as genuine and as real as ever. In verse 8 of that opening chapter, again, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. He had made a determination, a covenant, a dedication with God, and he was going to remain true to it. You and I, too, would do well to be that committed and to be that determined to have that upstanding, good, Christian, noble name. A poem written a long time ago, the author of the poem, I do not know, but I suspect the name of it is one that's very well to be seen simply by the wording of the poem itself. It goes something like this. You can fool the hapless public. You can be a subtle fraud. But you can't fool God. Isn't it amazing that, again, one can be subtle, one can be sneaky, one can be tricky. But then, you, of course, you cannot fool God. Listen to the second verse. This second verse goes in a similar way, but it points the arrow directly to you and me. You can advertise your virtues. You can self-achievements laud. You can load yourself with riches, but you can't fool God. If we pause again for a moment to notice, 
again, things that can paint a grand and glorious picture from the perspective of the world, but yet the name behind it could be as sorry as can be. And yet what's more valuable? Third stanza. You can criticize the Bible. You can be a selfish clod. You can lie, drink, steal, and gamble, but you can't fool God. Things the world does, be it stealing, lying, drinking, gambling, and yet all the while God knows exactly and we are unable to fool Him in any way. The fourth point of our lesson, a good name requires diligence. Sometimes the road of life is a smooth one. And there are times the maintenance of that good name may well come fairly easy. But it's almost certain by virtue of the devil and his interests and his shenanigans that there's going to come times that the road gets rough and rocky. Pressures from our friends, peer pressure it's sometimes called, influences of those about us who will encourage us in one way or another to do that which is improper and that which will hurt that good name. It's in those instances the decision comes to us. Will I buckle? Will I give in? Will I do that which they are encouraging me to do, though I know it's not in my best interest? It's so easy to give in, though, isn't it? For that will remove the pressure for the moment. It'll put us out beneath the integrity of that, that hurtful time. But, oh, we may live to regret it. In 2 Timothy 3.12 Paul wrote on that occasion that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All of us, in time, will find the road difficult. Some other thoughts I would invite you to note. Sometimes those difficulties come with bullying, teasing, various kinds of pressure, circumstances surrounding decisions and insults that are hurled our direction. All of that doesn't change the thought at the bottom. The scorn of the world can be so hurtful and damaging. 1 John 3.13 reminds us, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Young person, be ready for it. One of the best lines of defense is a mind prepared to understand those times will come and be strong enough with determination to know that you can handle it through the power and blessing of God and the things He has commanded. I would urge each of us, young or old alike, by using the Scriptures as our text today, to think clearly about a good name. The diligence required in it also helps us see that the desire for that good name should be a very motivating matter. You should want it as well as I should want that good name. So much should we want it that another lesson, I think, comes before us too. This one is simply this. It can be so quickly ruined. You and I have each known of individuals. That young boy or that young girl began from an earlier age, and they seemed to have been directed properly. Their decisions were so often the correct ones they lived in an upstanding fashion. Their family was proud of them and they lived in a way that truly was a good example to so many others. And yet, at age 16, 17, 18, something is discovered. They're with the wrong crowd. They make bad decisions and suddenly, suddenly, what has been worked for years to build is ruined in a moment, in one night. 
They're caught foolishly stealing things for the fun of it. They're found doing sexual matters with someone. A pregnancy results. It's destroyed in a moment. And it cannot be easily recovered. The decisions and the choices of the moment, you see, lead us to appreciate that that name that was so hard to build, it can be so significantly damaged in so short a period of time. That's true not just of a youth, but it's true of all of us. A good example, it seems to me, at least that we're familiar with in many instances, goes with athletics. A young person, perhaps one in the prime of his or her capability, is found to take performance-enhancing drugs in one way or another, and suddenly that will forever be associated with them. Be it a cyclist, a football player, a basketball player, a baseball player, if it has come to be appreciated that they in part accomplished what they did in an improper way, never will that be firmly disassociated with them again. That's just the way things seem to be, isn't it? But doesn't it remind all of us that we must straightly, diligently, dedicatedly, and carefully walk day by day under the tutelage of the Word of God to maintain that good name. If we're careless, if we slip up even for a moment, the devil will be waiting. And he will be there to help ensure that that good name is ruined, that it will be crushed. Young people, be wise. Be awfully careful of where you are and those with whom you're there with. Understand that if they aren't Christians, they don't have your best interest at heart. They may say otherwise, but they don't. It is with those things in mind and in the eternal scheme of things, we must be awfully careful. For the quickness of a moment can lead to a lifetime of regret. It was true, wasn't it? Spoken of Moses in Hebrews eleven twenty five, 25, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin's pleasures may look enticing and alluring, and often they certainly appear that way, but if we use the Word of God to look beyond the smoke screen that the devil will put before us, we can see the reality of what's behind. It's hurtful, it's damaging, it's ugly, it's awful, it's shameful. And not only that, it'll disintegrate a good name. It is with that, the sixth and final element of today is what about our associates and the influence that they, in fact, can bring upon us? We're aware that we don't live in a vacuum. We're members of a family. We're members in such a way that we have friends and associates and neighbors and co-workers, and they can have influence upon us. Sometimes it's very bold and noteworthy, and sometimes it's rather indirect. But we understand that their way of thinking and their approach to matters can certainly impact you and me as well. Is it then any wonder that we are admonished so carefully in the Scriptures to be very selective of who we choose as our closest friends? In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33... Paul, the inspired writer, put it in words like this, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil communications, unsound close relationships, will tarnish, will mar, will corrupt good morals, good behavior. I know that as parents, we've often said something like that to our youngsters and our children because we want them to never forget the lesson of that passage 
But again, even for those of us that are older, that still is a needful thing. Are we as older ones also careful about choosing our friends, those that we want to hang with so much? Young people, as you think about your friends, one of the best pieces of advice to be found anywhere is from, of course, the inspired writer himself. In Psalm 119, verse 63, the inspired writer, <clears throat> excuse me, on that occasion said, I will choose or have chosen as my companions those that love thy word. Choose a Christian as your best friend, someone who loves the Lord like you want to, and someone who will respect your desire to attend church services and who won't try to take you from them to do something else. Someone that will be interested to talk about Bible things with you. Someone that you can enjoy sharing wholesome activities with. Someone who won't be trying to encourage you to drink, to smoke, to gamble, to go into various and sundry places that are, shall we say, shady and less than appropriate. That also helps us see even about the character and nature of as we get older and start looking for perhaps a lifelong companion. Find you a spouse, someone who will love the Lord like you do, and someone who will march toward heaven with you, assisting you and someone you can assist, so that as you journey through this life, the things the Bible teaches about marriage can be absolutely descriptive of your paradise on earth leading to the paradise in heaven. For indeed, it's still true, isn't it, that our companionships can be so meaningful. How many a young person, perhaps with an initial interest to preach the word, married someone that was basically a child of the devil, and down the drain for all time and eternity went a potentially powerful preacher of the word because his wife wasn't supportive, and in fact, she was even less than one that would encourage him in any way. That young woman that could have been a grand wife of a preacher or an elder, or at the least a great servant for the cause of the master. But again, she chose unwisely and married someone who didn't have that same desire and love for the Word of God. And again, down the drain for all time and eternity went a powerful and influential woman for the cause of the Master. When we make those selections in life, remember, a good name goes right along with it. And a time has come today for each of us, I guess, to ask, what about your name and mine? First, how is it known in the halls of heaven? Is it in the Lamb's book of life? If not, why not? Have you lived in such a way that in fact has been so shameful and dreadful? Why not today make a change? It is true, the Lord can put your name into that book of life. Now, it may take some time and years of your continued diligence for the memories of others to fade a bit. But that doesn't mean that you can't live faithfully. And it doesn't mean that you can't also keep your name in that book of life. Today, if we could be of assistance to one or more persons in this audience, realize that to select a good name is a very valuable choice. And it's a choice that is worth your greatest of consideration. Right now, if you're not a member of the body of Christ, because you haven't been added there by the Lord Himself, Brother Jonathan has chosen a hymn of encouragement. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing that. And we have here a gathering of people who would love to rejoice with you in your obedience to the gospel. The baptismal waters behind me are prepared. If we could help you take acknowledgement of your belief and repentance, 
Furthermore, to take your confession or witness the greatness of that statement and then to watch you be baptized, we'd be happy to do it. If we could help you in that way today, or if we could help in rededicating your life to the cause of God, remember, a good name is that vital. You need a good name in this life and certainly a good name known to God Himself. If we could help you begin that journey or rededicate it today, why not today and why not now? While together we stand and while we sing.